This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, you're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim's reformasi brand is centred around two ideas, fighting against corruption and four institutional reforms. So how did he and his cabinet perform in their first 100 days with regard to reforms? Joining me on the show today to share his insight is Thomas Fan, chairperson of Bursay. Welcome to the show, Thomas. How are you? Always good to be on your show, Dashran. What are your overall thoughts on the Prime Minister's first 100 days in office, especially given that this is a outwardly reformist Prime Minister that has been his branding, his journey for the past 25 years, the reformasi movement and all of that? What are your overall thoughts, first 100 days? Well, I think first off, uh, I think we want to be honest and say that 100 days is really quite early to judge any government, Mm -hmm. especially I think that this uh, government was uh, elected and sworn in uh, towards the end of the year when we know it is holiday season and then Chinese New Year. So even parliament was uh, delayed uh, quite a bit. But nonetheless, I think there have been some uh, reasons to give us more optimism than pessimism. So let's, you know, go through some of the details. Um, What do you think the administration did well in the first 100 days as far as institutional and democratic reforms are concerned? Yes, so when finally the parliament uh, opens and sits uh, last month, um, Prime Minister Question Time, PMQ, uh, was one of the refreshing start to parliament because I think in the past we have seen how often Prime Ministers are has one of the lowest attendance in Parliament, you know, right. let alone even to answer questions directly. So we welcome this uh, very much. And also the increase in the number of motions from two to four in the special chamber. Um, and then the third thing that we took note of very earlier on was uh, the appointment of the, the new law minister. Uh, this time, uh, Dato Sri Azalina uh, Oman's side, she is the Minister for Law and Institutional Reform right. under the Prime Minister's uh, Department Office. So she basically uh, stated her commitment uh, on the separation of the Public Prosecution Office from the Attorney General, uh, something that I think Bar Council and ourselves and many uh, civil society have been calling for. So we welcome that very much. So, you know, you, you mentioned some interesting um, things, initiatives that this government has put forth. And while we laud the Prime Minister um, for trying to make Parliament a more robust and, and productive arena, such as the Prime Minister Q&A sessions, are these reforms actually of concern to people on the ground? You know, are people on the ground, um, you know, looking at this, um, you know, PM's Q&A session and all, and do they feel inspired by this? Or are these reforms just, you know, for people people who really observe politics on a, on a day-to-day basis and things like that. Do people on the ground care about these reforms? Uh, probably not. Mm. Uh, I, I understand that, of course, uh, parliamentary reforms are not the most exciting or quote-unquote sexy uh, reforms or things to do. But I want to say that they are absolute, absolutely critical. Uh, if we want to see a healthy and robust parliamentary democracy, now, we, we hold elections and we think elections are important, right? So, I mean, we had some, the last 
several elections has been very um, momentous and, you know, uh, nation-shaping the right. last few elections. And we hold elections after election to choose our Wakil Ragyat to represent us in parliament. But if they are not allowed to carry out their duties in the Dewan Ragyat, I would say that we might as well not have elections right. because that's the very reason we elect them to speak up for us in the Dewan Ragyat. And, and sad to say that uh, over our history, um, the Dewan Ragyat has been nothing more than a rubber stamp uh, due to the assertion of the executive uh, of the day, uh, suppressing the, our, our voices in the day one. So any kind of parliamentary reform to restore, you know, uh, and empower parliament uh, is important and critical. If we want to see uh, a, a government that is accountable to us, the Rakyat. Absolutely. Um, but switching gears a little bit, um, again, um, we welcome some of these changes um, that have happened in the first 100 days. But do you have any disappointments um, of, of in this, uh, or, or things that we wish the government accomplished, um, but they didn't? Yes. Uh, in the recent budget announcement, uh, together with the op opposition, we took note that there was no mention of a constituency development fund allocation. Hmm for the opposition. Earlier, the Prime Minister did announce that uh, allocation will be given to government members of parliament, uh, though it, it was reduced from 3.8 million to 1.3 million. But uh, there was no mention of anything for the opposition. Opposition, So uh, that was a disappointment for us. Uh, and also there was no transparency in the uh, appointment of key public officers, we we know for a fact that there are two vacancies in uh, the election commission that need to be filled, and we have long called for a process of a process that involves parliament for the appointment of such important commissioners uh, that conduct our election. Yet there was no no transparency over that, and we don't know who will be appointed or when the announcement will be. So we, we are calling for more transparency and parliamentary oversight there. And also there's no tabling this time round of the public political financing bill uh, that is so needed. You know, our country is wrecked with uh, corruption uh, for a long time and we need this bill to begin to deal with some of this political corruption. Uh, and also no tabling of Parliamentary Services Act. And to date, Two months after, you know, uh, government was formed, there's no parliamentary special select committees uh, uh, been announced yet, even in this parliament. So that is a bit uh, disappointing for us. Absolutely. Let's go through some of them, um, you know, one by one. But before that, um, you know, you mentioned so many, um, so many important reforms that needs to be um, executed and it needs to be implemented. But out of these, what would you say are some of the lowest hanging fruits that you think could have realistically been achieved and implemented in, in the first 100 days? Well, I mean, for us, the lowest of the low-hanging fruits mm -hmm. would be the Constituency Development Fund. Right. Because, I mean, this is, uh, in so many ways, uh, as a matter of principle, 
uh, all MPs, regardless of which side they are from, which party, uh, should be given allocation to serve their constituents. And I think those who end up being in the opposition uh, should be given due respects, uh, if nothing else, for the voters who voted for them. And so as a matter of principle, it should have been given. But more than that, for Pakatan Harapan and even Barisan National, who are key uh, in this unity government, um, it is their election promise. It's, it's in their manifesto that uh, they will uh, implement equal uh, CDF if they were elected. And so here we are. They are elected and yet we we have not seen that. But one very important factor why CDF equal CDF is important is because we need to see political stability. You know, one of the biggest reasons for party hopping given by those who defected the last two, three years is that they need to jump to the government so that they can receive this allocation. Otherwise, it's impossible for those in rural constituency to serve their constituents. So they jump. Now, of course, some people say it's good to jump to this government. Well, if they can jump to this government, they can also jump out, which we saw. Right. We, we have to end this kind of uh, uh, unequal treatment of uh, members of parliament. There, there seems to be a double standard there, right, Thomas, um, when it comes to, like you said, it's there's unequal treatment. And then, you know, it always seems like when people are in opposition, they champion for equal um, constituency development fund. But the moment they get into power, it becomes like, how do we keep our enemies at bay? How do we um, strengthen ourselves and, and you know, weaken, weaken the opponents? Um, and do you think, they, do you agree with, with that stance? And also, do you think that we are essentially going in a step, uh, you know, one steps forward, two steps back kind of situation because during the Ismail Sabri administration, the two sides came together, they signed the MOU, and then there was this milestone moment to have equal constituency development fund, which was unheard of in Malaysia uh, prior to that. How do you see this this situation that keeps on happening? I mean, uh, precisely as you say, you know, this is double standard hypocrisy or whatever you can call it. Uh, and, you know, the Ismail Sabri government uh, gave uh, the equal CDF simply because there was a historic MOU or Confidence and Supply Agreement, right. CSA signed between uh, the government uh, and Pakatan Harapan. Please note that not all MPs got the uh, allocation. Those who were not part of the MOU did not receive. So uh, I think about seven, if I'm not mistaken, were, were totally left out, you know. And uh, so, but I think we have an opportunity opportunity right now uh, in this government, a unity government and a government that is led by Pakatan Harapan that campaigned for decades on reformation, reformacy. Uh, this is the time, I think, to show that it is truly committed to real change. And 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 CDF is the lowest, like I said, the lowest or lowest hanging fruit. Uh, it doesn't cost a lot. It just takes right now a discretion of the prime minister. And uh, it shouldn't, shouldn't be left dangling as a bait uh, for the opposition to, to, to uh, kind of like uh, force to 
to beg for it. So I, I think this is uh, something that can be done and should be done as a goodwill gesture by Anwar to show that he is serious about reform and that he respect the opposition just as he wanted to be respected when he was in opposition. Absolutely. How would you respond to people who say that because we are seeing this argument from Harapan supporters, right? Or if we give them equal allocation, they're not going to service their constituency. They're not going to develop their constituency. They're going to use it to bribe and buy votes and so on and so forth. I'm sure you have heard some of these arguments from Harapan supporters themselves. How would you respond? Well, I mean, first of all, I think we need to understand what is the CDF. It is not a blank check. You know, like uh, 1.3 million right now given to the MPs. There are clear uh, portions uh, for different purposes, uh, portions for welfare, portions uh, for uh, local development, and also criteria who can receive uh, these allocations and the process as well. A lot of the development uh, allocations uh, set aside for the constituency need to be approved by the Implementation and Coordination Unit, ICU, under the Prime Minister Department. So it is definitely not a, a blank check situation where they could, you know, use the 1.3 million to pay TikTok influencer or <laughs> to, to burn up the country with right. uh, extremism. It's not that easy, you know, not impossible, but not that easy. But I, I, I think, uh, you know, I want to take a, a phrase from the Yang Lipetuan's Agong speech, mm. uh, I think uh, a few parliamentary sitting ago, right. where he said that he he wants to see a situation where the winner doesn't win all and the loser doesn't lose everything. Right. You know, I think this is a time for us to move towards that direction where uh, opposition, even uh, those in opposition are treated with due respect and resources uh, just as when Pakatan was in in the opposition, we called for the same thing, and and we 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 work spoke hard for the opposition for a level playing field. So I think this is a a, a small step that uh, can be taken. Uh, like I said, it's not a blank check. It's about accountability as well. On the show with me today is Thomas Fan, chairperson of Bursay. After the break, I ask him what reforms he hopes the government focuses on in the next 100 days. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan. And on the show with me today is Thomas Fan. He's the chairperson of Bursay. And we're talking about what Prime Minister Anwar and his cabinet has accomplished in their first 100 days as far as institutional reforms are concerned. So, Thomas... Now, you also mentioned the Political Financing Act or Political Financing Bill. Why do you think we need it um, ASAP? We, we, of course, heard of the famous uh, anonymous Arab donor right. during 1MDB. And sometimes, uh, and also subsequent to that, um, after GE14, we saw some high-profile politicians being hauled to court uh, on charges of receiving bags of cash from property developers. And, you know, many of these were let go. Let, uh, the cases were dropped uh, because they gave the excuse that this was political donation. This was for campaign purposes. And there's no law for us to receive uh, uh, 
this kind of donations from supporters, you know. Uh, so where do you draw the line between outright bribery from developed property developers who just got uh, approval for their projects uh, and legitimate political donation? Now, Political Financing Act is what is, is supposed to uh define that clearly draw the deadline clearly so that there's no more excuse that people can use just to get off the hook now um i can tell you you know uh even the current uh, investigation into brisatu's funds uh enormous uh, fund mm -hmm. uh that will be the reason given there's right. no law against it right now the the least that this political financing uh bill should cover is that donation must be given directly to the party and not to individual politicians. Uh, I think that's the minimum that, uh, mm -hmm. that we hope to see in this bill so that everything is regulated and clearly labelled as legitimate political donation or not. Yeah. Do you get a sense that there is uh, political will to push forward for this um, uh, for this uh, political financing act because one of the people that always talks about it is YB Said Sadi. He brings it up uh, consistently. Uh, some other MPs as well, um, even YB uh, Ahmad Mazlan and all have brought it up in the past. But is there pol enough political will among um, the members of parliament, or do you do you get a sense that there's a lot of resistance because of the exact reason that that you just laid out that for years and years. Uh, all these political parties can just get big corporate donors for millions and millions of bucks and, and corruption and uh, donation and bribery and donation, the lines all get blurred, which is, of course, uh, good for all the people who want to be involved in all these various scandals. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering, do you get a sense that there is a lot of um, political will for, for the Political Financing Act or a lot of resistance? Yeah, I, I, I think I, I would like to use another term, political resistance. Hmm you know, uh, to that and, and they are reluctant no matter which government from Najib's government to uh, Mahathir's government to Mohidin, Ismail Sabri and now Anwar. There's always reluctance and resistance to this uh, reform simply because as you said, you know, once you're in power, you have access to almost limitless uh, funding uh, both from the government as government and also uh, from the corporate sector who are very happy to to befriend you and and, and right. make huge donation. So why would you want to uh, limit yourself to that? But uh, having said that also, we can uh, see that through the advocacy, you know, of civil society really, uh, including ourselves in Brussels, uh, the resistance and uh, reluctance is uh, getting less and less. Uh, the will is getting uh, weaker and weaker. And, and we are hopeful. We are hopeful that uh, this year we will see the passing of this political financing bill. But, you know, limiting politicians with the political financing bill is just one, one aspect. The other aspect that we argue for strongly is that you then got to look at how are they going to fund themselves, mm -hmm. you know, for their legitimate right. political activity, running of the offices, of their service centers, of their campaign, of their research and all these things. And so we advocate for together with the public 
uh, financing bill, a public funding of political party element, right. whereby uh, a, a small percentage, a very, we're talking about a very, very small percentage of the annual budget, 0.024% of the current budget, which is uh, work out to 130 million ringgit a year, right. allocated for all political parties, and uh, their their share will be of it will be according to their vote share at the last election. So if Pakatan got say 39 percent of popular vote share, they will get 39 percent of the 130 million or so, and then uh, 30 percent, you know, get 30 percent. Things like that. This will be taxpayers' money used for them to uh, run their legitimate political activity. Again, it's not a blank check situation. Uh, once they receive political uh, public funding, they will have to be accountable uh, for them and and report. So there will be greater transparency. So it is important, and we hope that the government uh, will will be listening to this podcast. <laughs> and read our statements Absolutely. that caused was such a public funding of political parties. And I we call on the public to, to support us. And talking about political will, you know, political will changes mm -hmm. when public uh, uh, demands call for it. We think of Undi 18, Undi 18. I tell you, in our private conversation with all politicians, most of them don't support it. Right. Even in Pakatan, they are, they are, they are, it's an unknown factor and they are suspicious of young people and things like that. They don't want, but when they are asked by reporters publicly, they will say, so Peter so <laughs> you know? And and it came to a point where when it comes to the vote, nobody dared to vote against Undi 18. Right. And the anti-hopping law was the same. Mm -hmm. None of them wanted anti-hopping law because even on, on the other side, they were hoping they would jump back to them right. and they can form government, you know, uh, with formidable and convincing numbers and all that. You know, so they didn't want anti-hopping law, but because of the media and the public and us shouting for it, when it came to the vote, nobody dared vote against it. And that is how advocacy works. And I think this is the same for a lot of this reform. The public got to speak up. Um, one more reform I want to talk to you about is, it goes back to what you uh, uh, talked about earlier, which is about strengthening parliament. You mentioned it earlier. Um, and I want to ask you, what exactly is the Parliamentary Services Bill? And why do you think it's important we get it right now? This is an extremely important bill. Again, you know, like anything to do with parliament, not very exciting uh, sounding, but... Uh, we had this uh, Parliamentary Services Act up to, you know, if I'm not mistaken, up to 1992 when right. it was uh, uh, repealed by Mahathir. Um, and the parliament then became subservient uh, to the executive, to, to the prime minister. And it has remained that way till today. The prime minister has uh, uh, almost absolute say over the budget and the public uh, uh, service department has absolute say over the staffing of parliament, who goes to work for parliament and things like that. Uh, so what this uh, parliamentary services bill uh, would do is restore that uh, so that the uh, a budget is allocated from the treasury 
directly to parliament uh, and parliament has the funding necessary to uh, operate uh, its needed uh, function uh, beyond just uh, kind of like hosting, playing host to people shouting to each other in the right. day one. Uh, parliament is more than that. Yeah. Parliament should be a research center for members of parliament. You want your Wakil Raya to be well informed uh, because they have uh, staff who can do research uh, and then they present quality arguments and papers to parliament. You want to hear that. You want to see that. But you can't do that without money. And also staffing. You know, uh, the parliament should have a say who uh, they want to work in parliament. They will want people who are passionate about parliamentary process, uh, experts, people who are committed to seeing a healthy parliament, working for them and, and well remunerated as a result, not transfer out at whim and fancy of the uh, director of public services. So I think this is really restoring to me the dignity of the August House. What must the government do next, Thomas, whether we look at the short term, either the next 100 days or the medium term, maybe the next one to two years? Um, what are you keeping a close eye on? What should they start focusing on and amping up, you know, starting to do things very quickly? What, what are you keeping an eye on? The next 100 days, you know, uh, for us, we like to see three things. Mm-hmm. One is the setting up of the parliamentary special select committee right. and some permanent select committees. Now, we are kind of waiting anxiously to see that because one of the select committee that we really like to see is one that focuses on elections and multi-party democracy because it's such an important area uh, in the formation of government and also the uh, just strengthening of our key institution that there should be a, sp- a permanent standing committee uh, on this uh, area. Then uh, the second thing is like what we mentioned uh, earlier, uh, CDF, Constituency mm-hmm. Development Fund. It should be a parliamentary act, not the discretion of the Prime Minister. And and and, and the thirdly, uh, maybe surprising to some, is that we hope the government re- will recognise the Perikatan National Shadow Cabinet. Uh, recognise means giving them some allowance, research officers and access to information because we do need a, a, a responsible opposition uh, that actually function as a mature and responsible opposition, not one that is constantly scheming and plotting to overthrow you. So this uh, would go a long way, I think, to stabilize politics in this country. So this can be done immediately. That, but, but within the first year of, uh, of this unity government, we hope to see uh, the enactment of the Parliamentary Services Act, as mentioned, uh, the Political Financing Act, and also amendment to the Election Offences Act, which is 1954. It's overdue and uh, we have done some work on that and we hope that uh, it will be updated. And also to limit the, the the tenure of the Prime Minister to 10 years, that's been promised uh, in the Manifesto of Pakatan and also the Isma Sabri MOU, uh, and also the separation of the public prosecutor function from the AG, uh, then the uh, transparency and parliamentary oversight in the appointment of key officers like EC commissioners uh, or MACC chief, uh, all these are important. 
and uh, also reviewing some of the draconian law, uh, sedition act, uh, SOSMA and the uh, communication and multimedia act, printing and press publication act, uh, and AUKU, the university and university colleges act. All these are uh, uh, important signs that this government is a reformist government. So we hope to see uh, this happen in the first year of this unity government. And it seems like the law ministry is um, thinking along your lines as well um, because YB Azalina Otman recently announced um, that she released a statement that the ministry is very much committed to implementing the following reforms, specifically Political Funding Act, um, the 10-year limit for a prime minister, Parliamentary Special Select Committee, the PSSE, as well as the splitting of the AG and Public Prosecutor's Office. Um, does her statement give you confidence about the direction we are moving? Well, you know, we issued a statement uh, on the 4th of March on the 100 days of the uh, uh, unity government. And the next day, uh, YB Azalina came out with this statement, which we find... Uh, very reassuring because uh, we mentioned low-hanging fruits and right. she also mentioned about low-hanging fruits and reassuring civil society that uh, her her ministry, the government, is looking into all this. So, and 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 we are really encouraged by that and we hope that uh, it's more than words, but uh, there will be real action, for which I'm confident because her, her ministry has actually conducted some uh, engagement with civil society and government departments on some of these reforms. So uh, we hope to see fulfillment of this reform uh, within this one year. We are hopeful. And on that note, Thomas, thank you so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure, Deshran. Thank you. That was Thomas Fan, Chairperson of Bursay. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.